Welcome. Welcome. You're listening to the Hello Trance podcast, sharing our passion for the music. Introducing your host, Tom Bradshaw. Hi, Global Trance family. I'm Tom Bradshaw, and welcome to a special episode of the Hello Trance podcast. This episode features the second in a series of exclusive interviews from this year's Luminosity Beach Festival. First 30 minutes or so, we've got myself in a mix, dropping some fresh new trance and progressive, currently doing it for me right now. Then we head over into an exclusive interview with Dennis Shepard, direct from Luminosity Beach Festival, by our roving Hello Trance reporter, Chris Blackburn. You're listening to episode six of the Hello Trance podcast, Turn It Up. Thank you. 
listening to the Hello Trance podcast, sharing our passion for the music.
You're listening to the Hello Trance podcast, sharing our passion for the music. Tom Bradshaw in the mix.
over to our raving reporter, Chris Blackburn. Here's an exclusive interview with Dennis Shepard, recorded live and direct from this year's Luminosity Beach Festival. You're listening to the Hello Trance podcast, sharing our passion for the music. Today I'm joined by an artist who is no stranger to the trance world, having four album releases under his belt, with his most recent on Black Hole recordings, and we'll dig into what a soundcation is. A big Hello Trance welcome to Dennis Schaefer. Yes. Otherwise correct. known as Dennis Shepard. I got it right. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for joining us today. Great to connect with you for the first time face to face Thursday during the kickoff of the 14th edition of Luminosity. But a little fun fact to fans that our conversation started back in January after you were auctioning your MacBook on eBay and the winter flaked out. And so I was like, hey, I got to take home the prize anyways. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, thanks to all the, the lovely shipping carriers that have an issue with packing lithium batteries in airplane holds, I was not able to get it until this very moment, and now it is in my hand, so I'm super excited to start to dig in. I've been a Windows person all my life, so digging into Mac and, and Logic, since everyone says Logic's really good for, for production. Yeah, you will love it. I, I switched to Mac in 2017, and yeah, I would never go back. And I'm... Uh, I'm Microsoft guy by day. That's what I do. I do consulting. I'm an Android guy, but I'm turning to the dark side. So, uh, so again, thank you for the laptop. Um, I always like to start off my interviews with my favorite question. As a fellow music lover and artist, our origin stories are very much part of the journey and what helps shapes us into who we are today. Can you tell us about that first memory and that first track that you heard that made you fall in love with trance? Uh, yeah, that, that was actually so end of the nineties. One of my best friends in school, he showed me the electron electronic dance music genre. So there was like a radio show on the local radio station called, was, uh, the, the radio station what was called Heinz Live. And there was a radio show hosted by Blank and Jones. Oh, yeah, legends. So yeah, even regional legends where I come from. So, and yeah, they, they had a track called The Nightfly. And remember the long, extended mix of like nine and a half minutes on the radio yes oh wow radio. And, uh, well they had like a special like mixed radio oh. show like saturday nights and yeah they played the north the, the long nine minute version and i just remember closing my eyes and yeah absolutely falling in love with this sound and from that day on i think for the next weeks or months I listened to that track every morning before starting my day. Motivation. Just That's laying it. on my bed, closing my eyes and just like, yeah, dreaming away. I, I had one of those moments in the 90s where I actually was coming to Amsterdam for the very first time with my mm. dad. I knew nothing of like electronica and uh, on the little headset radio it was the dance station. It was Olives, You're Not Alone. So like, oh, yeah. it's always amazing to kind of transport ourselves back to that very first moment and kind of remember those memories and those memories feel to kind of ooh, where we are today. For sure. So then let's fast forward. So you love music and then how did you go from a music lover to a artist? So actually after that, I kind of switched genres a little so i i went uh, on to listen to hip-hop and r&b because that was cool when i was a teenager and then i got back to to electronic dance music around 2004 and but it was more the commercial side of it like hands up genre commercial trance genre and then my uncle started producing music but like as a hobby so and it was really like 
super simple amateur software like Dance EJ, it was called back in the days. You just put blocks together and that, that's your song. Like Legos? Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this sounds so good and like so professional, let me have a try as well. And I did try and for, for I think I played around for like nine months and registered with an online community and where you can upload your songs and rank like really high in the charts there and then people told me, oh, you should uh, try professional software. And I actually did. I got. I started with Pella Has Reason, and I sticked around with that one for around one and a half years or so. And then I got my first record signed. And like so, it's always like you know, when I, when I do something and I really fall in love with it, I have such a big passion for it that I always want to get better. And like so, it was just a natural progression from doing it as a hobby to signing it to smaller record labels, then bigger, more successful record labels, and so just started like that basically so let's talk about one of those labels and, and that first release you had on the uh, mpfs record days kind of talked a little bit about uncle helping you be that inspiration but to fast forward to getting into reason what was that first track and the story behind that that, that kind of comes to mind with that first release so actually the very first release was under a different alias called uh, Sky Shepherd. So there was before I that. Yes. Yeah, before that yeah. Shepherd. And there was like a there was like a remix contest that I won and as part of the contest, because I made made it to the first place, I got pressed on vinyl and was released on a record label called Zix. Z Y X and Is that Talas? Yeah. yeah. Talas. Yeah. Well the Tala is part of that label, let's say. And yeah, that was massive for me. I mean, being printed on vinyl and yeah, it was amazing. And then I did another record under that alias on Shah Music, which is the label of Roger Shah's brother. Oh, really? Yeah. Pedro de Mar. Oh, okay. And he runs that label or used to run that label. And that was also the first time I got in touch with Cold Blue. Yes. Because he remixed that track. It was called Closer. There was a Cold Blue remix on Shah Music. And that was my first real like trance release and then I had another alias called Metricide which was more like a house alias we had a really massive hit in 2006 and then 2007 I decided okay I want to start a progressive trance project and I started under Dennis Shepard and then MPFS Records was just a very small indie label very passionate guy who ran it who was willing to invest into us artists because he believed in us and was literally like 10-15 releases over the course of years only. There were like people like uh, Cressida, they were signed there, Alucard was signed there, I was signed there then, and then even Sonic Element, I don't know if you know uh, who that, that is. That name sounds familiar. Yeah. He's like an uplifting trans producer. I actually discovered you know, him on MySpace and we got him signed to MPFS Records. <laughs> that was his first release. Oh, the old MySpace days. <laughs> I missed those, those were simpler times. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So then after that first release and you know you talked about moving into that Dennis Shepard project, fast forward now to 2022 and uh, you released Onwards. And I'm guessing that are those the flashes? Yeah, it's like Onwards, Upwards. So on, Onwards like, and Upwards, you can, whichever one away. It almost looks like it's like pointing up to the sky, which yeah, I think is proper since it's Upwards. Yeah. So that was your fourth album yeah. and 12 of those 14 tracks were collaborations with a myriad of artists, uh, blah, a myriad of artists. <laughs> Two of which of my current favorites are Justin and uh, Kid Sedwick. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, give us a little bit of background on that specific title and how that plays into your personal life, and then maybe a favorite story about one of the tracks and how it was made? 
Sure, I mean, so when I start creating an album, it's literally just like collecting ideas. Yes. So I have a lot, a lot of ideas and I just start brainstorming, putting them in one folder and some of those ideas, they really come to life later on. Others never yeah. really make it to a full tune. In the graveyard. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. And like every every track is, is a whole different story. Like sometimes, you know, uh, I work on the instrumental, then I send it to a singer. Then, you know, the singer works with me on the lyrics and sends it back. And sometimes it's like I get an acapella from a singer and I build the track around that acapella. So it's always different. Or sometimes just an instrumental. My, probably my absolute favorite track of the album is a track called Limitless. That's with Eke and Coney Blank. And it's, it's just... You're smiling, you've got a good story. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's basically the love song of my girlfriend and myself. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, it's just that the lyrics are just, they were so fitting when we met each other. And yeah, I know. Just like there's magic in that track. It's hard to describe what makes this track so special, but it's really just like the lyrics, the feeling, then, you know, connecting it to an emotion and the memory and yeah. Would you say that you were, as a parent myself, would you say that each of those tracks are almost like their own child? They have their own story, they have their own emotion, they have their own feeling and, and history behind them? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, like some people ask me also, don't you lose track you now you have to release over 100 tracks and you know will you not forget like let's say the track title or whatever after a while and no it's just like you hear the melody and immediately you're you transported back so and then uh as a producer you know you have four albums under your belt now and to say underselling the effort of any single track would be an understatement but it seems that you've mastered the formula not only with working with artists but also putting together an album. So I was actually talking to Bix. So this is this is totally off the cuff right now. So I was oh. talking to Bix. He is looking to, he's got, like you, a whole collection of different tracks and what is looking to put together an album. I was like, funny story, I'm actually gonna be talking to Dennis and he's done this multiple times. So he kind of understands what happens. So the question here is, can you give the fans and listeners, and this is a little industry behind the scenes information, what's that 10,000 foot view from that first creative process to actually having and seeing that track on people? Well, I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. So first of all, you have to, I mean, you work with different people, right? Like you may have a guitar sample in there. You get a guitarist to, to record a guitar sample. So you have to sign a contract with that guitarist so that he transfers the rights over to you. You have to sign a contract with the label. I also know what happens on the label side because they used to run a label. So they have to sign an ISRC code. They have to send out DJ promos. They have to sign the contract with you. They have to put it in their distribution database so it gets distributed to all the stores. And so yeah, there's, there's just a lot of stuff happening on that side. Then you, as an artist, have to register it also with your collecting society. So that could be BMI in the US, sure. or Boomer Stemrai in the Netherlands, and they take part of the composition part of the the record. And yeah, like uh, that's just like the administrative side. Yes. And then obviously, creative side is, well, you start with an idea, and then you start, you know, like playing the around. Collection of ideas that you mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, some, Personally, I'm approaching this very intuitively. So like, 
It's just like, don't have a plan, like, oh, tomorrow I have to work on this track or about that track. It's more like a rush of creativity and sometimes it's just like, at 1am I'm like, oh, let yeah. me give it a try, you know, like... Was this, you were awake till 1am or you woke up? No, 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 I'm still awake. <laughs> so it's like, let me give this a try and see if this works and then all of a sudden there's like a creative rush and I sit there in my studio until 4 or 5am and the track is finished. Oh. So it's like, but that could happen after a day or of creating the idea or it could be months later like to replenish that creative fuel tank and then putting together a track it's like all right now that tank's empty and just going through life helps to for sure recreate that or refill that i think i think as an up-and-coming producer the worst thing you can do is put pressure on yourself mm -hmm. creatively that's you good just, advice because that's that's where i am right now <laughs> yeah you just need to go with the flow and try to do other things that kind of give you the creativity in the studio yeah. So you go through all of the motion, you do the administrative side, you do, you pull together all of these different collections of stories, which become tracks, and then you release that album. Once, once that album is done, that sigh of relief, what are you like, okay, what's next? Or are you just kind of going with the flow of the creativity as you start to collect more of those ideas and transcribe them? Yeah, I mean, between Find the Sunrise and Onwards and Upwards, it was really... After, after I released Find the Sunrise, I was already like, oh, I want to do another album. <laughs> I want to do another album. It was so cool and like, had so much fun. And So now, after Onwards and Upwards, I wanted to take it a bit easier. So I decided to just do single releases for this year. Sure. But now... The single's going to become an album. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm already starting to collect ideas again. It's just, there's so much creativity happening that, yeah, I... I that's that's why I'm happy that I have this output under Dennis Shepard to just like release uh, all of these creative ideas. And then those can come individually and those can come all at once. So, it, and as you start to think of production, you know, and, and you, like I mentioned earlier, you know, you've released, released a lot of tracks and albums, you've kind of got that mastered. Let's talk about production in general and how you've taken, you've learned and, and been able to help others. And that's through your soundcations, well, formerly the Trans Treats. And uh, you've had over 10 of those now. One of my favorite stories from this is a good friend with Adam Stark. You know, he immersed himself in your Trans Treats, got connected to Roger Shaw. He's helping him with Magic Island. You know, he's doing a lot working with Elon Bluestone. I think a lot of that was foundationally and just that confidence of being in the music and having someone to mentor them. So tell us a little bit about that value of what you see in those, I'd say, home boot camp style learning experiences. And then a favorite story, huh. the one I didn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you is, first of all, it's an amazing experience. You have a lot of fun while being on those retreats. But then what do you get out of it? Like, first of all, you can make a lot of producer buddies yes. that will help you push to higher levels. You, you can support each other, you know, just become buddies and like you give each other feedback over the years and you just see each other grow and uh, that's great but you also have the chance to hang out with instructors and become even become friends with them like there, there's a lot of um, participants that became friends with the instructors and met, met met the instructors afterwards when they were touring the city or this or that i mean this is not guaranteed but you know if the chemistry is there it's always a possibility if you put the effort into it as well yeah exactly and then obviously i mean production techniques you learn there it's just it's not comparable to watching youtube videos or anything like that or doing online courses just because you're there get you see this technique and then maybe something is unclear 
can immediately stop the instructor, ask what does he mean exactly, and then all, it becomes clear in your head. And like, yeah, you know, it's like beginner produce get a lot of out of it, but even advanced, intermediate and, and advanced producers get a lot of, out of it. So I personally even learned a lot on these retreats, um, just watching the other instructors, because you always take a little bit from yes. each and every one of them, you know, like small tips and tricks here and there. And that made me the, this fast and good producer that I am today, learning all these things from these guys as well. So I would highly recommend it for, for producers who are really looking to take you know their skill level to the next level. That, so. that allows them to grow without making the mistakes. And yeah. it, the window of how their mistake is made is smaller because then they can correct I, I right there I think they, the they can just skyrocket their progress, but I think they will still make mistakes. And that's actually, in my opinion, even good. Because you have to make the mistakes to learn, become a better person and a better producer and so on. That's how we learn and grow. Any 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 favorite success stories? Oh yeah. Let me think. Wow, there, there's so many. Like there, there's so many people that that have skyrocketed in their career. Like okay, there's Triode. Oh yes. He started collaborating with Marlo after those retreats. Okay. Uh, there's Chris Gray, who is an Italian guy who started releasing on uh, flashover recordings and uh, other labels. There's George Hammer, who started collaborating with me and releasing on Blackboard recordings on FSOE. There's Yellow, the co-founder oh. of the Soundcation. He learned a lot on those retreats as well, because he was the kind of beginning beginner producer where, when we started organizing those retreats. And he's now releasing also on labels like Subculture and Magic Island and so on. Tom Bencher is another one who started releasing on Magic Island regularly now. So just so many people that really, yeah, skyrocketed their career and I'm so proud and happy. I've, I've kept my eye on them, trying to find the ones that are like near, I know you did one in Bali, you've done some in the EU, you've done some around ADE. Yeah. Uh, what's the next one? The next one is actually, again, before ADE. Okay, in October. So, yeah, in October, exactly. This time in, in the uh, centrum of uh, Amsterdam. The years before we used to do it in, in a small village outside of Amsterdam, but we figured it's, it's much easier and more convenient to do it in the center sure. of Amsterdam. And then that's it for this year. Next year, we, we're not sure yet. Maybe one long retreat again, somewhere where it's warm and nice and inspiring. And then for sure the ADE retreat again. Sure. Yeah. Is, is that why it's in places like Magic Tropical? I was going to say Magical Tropical. It's <laughs> kind of the same thing where you pick those places because you, you see that it fuels some of the creativity a little more. For sure. Like we always pick like extremely creative spots, but it doesn't have to be connected with sunshine. It can also be, for example, we did one in Berlin in a okay. castle. Sure. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. So that's really amazing. Yeah. Well, those sound awesome. I definitely will have to check it out. And um, for all of the fans, definitely check those out on the socials as well. One final question as we get near to, we're getting getting near to Zanvort. We're actually doing this in the car. <laughs> if you were, if you, if you hadn't pursued music, what do you think you'd do? What do you think you might be? And I ask, I ask this question a lot of artists because, you know, they, they love their career and music is such an amazing career. I would love to actually be in music if I didn't have three, three boys, two dogs, a wife, and a house. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it's a clo close call, I think. But I think I would be a chef. A chef? Yeah, I love I love cooking. Food. I, Food I love well. hosting people <laughs> and yeah, that, that 
between that and uh, being like a personal trainer, you know, like do, doing the fitness stuff. So these two are like my, my passions next to the music. Yes. Yeah, I think one of them my main job, like music production. Food is a great choice. I absolutely love traveling because of the new things that we try. Absolutely. I, I was just in Italy and I had the best pizzas. Pizzas are huge. Walk yeah, by the shops and it's like a giant, like, uh, two meter by two meter yeah. square. And as my favorite dish is the Neapolitanian pizza. And I nice. recently tried it at home and I actually succeeded. I'm so proud of Fantastic. it. But it's very, very hard to get the dough the right way. But I got it right for the first time ever in my life. So quite proud of that. <laughs> oh, there you are on your way. Your side passion. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Dennis. Appreciate your time. And thank you for having me. Hope to catch you uh, again live soon or in a soundcation. Maybe yeah. an ADE. It's not out of cards yet. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Thanks again. Thank you. You're listening to the Hello Trance podcast. Sharing our passion for the music. Massive thank you for listening, streaming and supporting the Hello Trance podcast. Remember, you can catch brand new episodes every first and third Tuesday of the month. Playing you out of this episode is Dennis Shepard and Cole Blue featuring Anna Croyado, Fallen Angel, the Dennis Shepard Club Mix. Catch you soon. Cheers. See ya.
Thank you.